over 30 years of advice for your house, home, castle, or cabin. Y'all have things you want to get done. It's Rosie on the House. Welcome to the 9 o'clock hour of Rosie on the House, your Saturday morning tradition for 31 years. This is the third hour of our weekly radio broadcast, and this is our open home hour where we talk about all things related to your home, castle, or cabin. You can join the conversation at one 767 4348 That's one for you Or if you are flying down the highway or just busy around the house and don't have time to sit on hold, you can, as long as you're not moving in a vehicle, text to 411-923. Or you could be moving in a vehicle, just not driving it. Have your spouse or kid text a question. In. And if you need to send a picture for a little help on describing the project you're working on, product identification, explain the situation you're in, you can snap a picture and email that to info at rosieonthehouse.com. The pictures have sure helped over all the years we've been doing the show. Just every once in a while getting a picture in. When I can't picture it in my head what they're trying to tell us, that's one big, probably the one biggest, nicest change in, in the whole radio broadcast history and that I've been involved in it is uh, pictures. <laughs> pictures and text. Text have really changed the call-in format of That's for talk sure. radio. That's for sure. Well, you know, a couple of things we talked about last week was everything Mom saw at the hardware show up in Las Vegas, and that's always a great trip. I was, and we'll have a lot more content oh, on man. that over the next couple of weeks. Uh, that's the one thing about getting up there is you get enough material to share with our listeners for weeks on end. She's working on a special one, solar-related. When we move into June, we'll go into solar month for our 10 o'clock hour, and we'll be talking about all the different things that can be solar-powered. When we think of solar so many times, it's solar power for the entire home but there's a lot of different uh individual gizmos gadgets uh one-offs that are solar related and we don't have to think of solar as a whole house solution for power but just as a little one-off solution for smaller things that we use in our daily life the smallest solar appliance or the most successful solar appliance i have in my entire collection is a flashlight <laughs> and and I'll bet you that thing is about five or six years old, and it still works like the day I got it. And I'm, I haven't never, invariably, you pull up to your favorite camping spot. It's about 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> of course, it's a new moon, so there's nothing you can see. And and you're trying to pitch a tent and trying to figure out where to go. That flashlight has worked. You know, Then you go turn on your old battery flashlight and... You've got a whimper of a light that lasts 30 seconds and goes out because you forgot to replace the batteries. That little solar flashlight has just tickled me to death. It's just one of those things. Every time I see it in my my uh, glove box, I, I'm glad I have it. So solar that will grow in its applications because that little photovoltaic receiver on that thing isn't much bigger than a, than a credit card. And it gets all the power it needs for all these years. I was tickled to death. Hey, you know, one of the things that starts coming up, Romy, speaking of solar, and you can't talk about solar, we're, one of two things. Either people are, are motivated philosophically of, on creating less of a carbon footprint and being a more passive uh, traveler on this planet while they're here, or saving money on the electric bill. And this time of year is when 
of course, we get the most questions on how can I save money on my energy bill. And the one thing I always ask people before we start the conversation, they want to know what should I do, replace my windows, add more insulation, install radiant bearer, ceiling fans, new windows. Where should I start? I ask them, well, have you had a whole house energy audit done yet? That'll tell you where to start. And it's $100. So that's the first place you've got to start. And then you have to decide why are you trying to create this energy-efficient home. Are you just trying to beat the man? You're trying to get your $300 a month utility bill down to $275 or $250 or two and a quarter. Or is it quality of life questions on why that ba- that darn back bedroom never cools off all summer long and why it's cold all winter long? So it's either an economic motivator or a quality of life motivator. And I think when you get the whole house energy audit done, then you can take a look at it and decide how to proceed based on your motivation. And and it could be both, quality of life and your bill. One of the things that I always ask people, tell me the size of your house and tell me how many people live in it. Let me know if it's all electric or dual energy. At what temperature do you keep the house in the middle of the summer? And with that much information, and when was the house built? With that much information, I can come pretty darn close. We had someone at the office inquiring just last week. We had taken their call on air, and I told them, send me your energy audit, and I'll I'll prove it with you. 1,700 square foot, home built in the middle 90s. Two people, all electric home, and in the middle of the summer, they would get as high as 360 bucks, a hundred and or a hundred with consuming 100, 1800 kilowatt hours. Well, 180 kilowatt hours at 360 bucks means in the summer months he's paying 20 cents a kilowatt, and we can get that down to something much, to half that, very close to half that, 10 to 12 cents. So we visited about, are you on the standard rate or are you on time of use rate? Well, I was on standard and I switched to time of use. I'm not sure that's the right thing for me. I said, no, it's the right thing. Just, it's the right thing, believe me. Now all we need to do is figure out of this power you're consuming because that's not a real high consumer your consumption rate it's just a very high paying price i said your demand spike must be pretty high it must be close to double digits 8 9 or 10 he says it is it's 8 i said well you're allowing your house to work way too hard between 3 p.m. and 8 p.m. and you've got to teach your house how to go to sleep from 3 to 8 we can take that power peak down to something well under five. If we stop the air conditioner from ever coming on in that time period, we can keep it down to three. And that's how we're going to save you that kind of money on your summer power bill. Take a look at your April invoice. This year, April was zero. There was no heating and no cooling. It was absolutely one of the nicest springs ever. That's your base load. Now, watch for your August bill 
And the difference between August and April will be how much it costs you to air condition your house. That difference, because you still have the base load, you've got charges that are both uh, national and local. Oh, the taxes. Uh, Government, uh, environmental fees, blah, blah, blah fees. How many more times can I stick my hands in your pocket fees? But even with all of that, and this guy's $360 bill, that's 50 cents an hour for everything you operate in your home. I mean, I can't do the math. How many hours in a month? When you break it down that (laughs) simple, you know, it it's really cheap to live comfortably in the the desert. It is. And 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 if we put the proper strategies to work on your home, he was disappointed in particular, Romy, because he fell for the window option. Mm, um, and it didn't save what he was wanting. And and they were promise him, you know, 50% saving on your electric bill and he hasn't seen any. He says he says even with these upgraded windows, the inside window temperature on the frame is still 100 degrees. He said that's like having a little radiator in your house. <laughs> I said, "Well, that's exactly what it is." So, windows are more of a quality of life. I'm not saying you won't save money on your energy bill. But it's more, can you eliminate that hot spot if that's your favorite place to read your afternoon magazine or newspaper, but you can't sit there because the sun coming through the window makes that spot so uncomfortable for that period of day? Well, then replace the stupid window and enjoy your favorite chair. (laughs) And it's interesting. A lot of people look to solar for that answer, and we'll talk more with our solar experts, Verde Valley Solar and SunSafe Solar Solutions in June about this, but the interesting aspect about, you know, when you have solar, you're not independent of the grid in most cases. If you bought your standalone solar panels and installed them and you're not hooked up and have any kind of metering system, you can go off the grid. But if you're on the grid system and you install solar panels, it's it's really interesting when we toured Palo Verde Nuclear Power Plant, oh, man. their peak what use of demand that they have to supply energy for comes when the sun is going down. That's right. And there's no feasible way to store electricity. When the day is hottest. <laughs> and most people want to cool and, their home off. And I haven't read the report, but the, the utility reporter sent me a link with more details about the battery fire. I don't know if you saw this. But a couple Saturdays ago, um, it was the last Saturday in April, there was a huge battery fire, APS battery plant that was storing electricity, caught on fire out in Surprise. Oops. And was a huge, uh, oh. you're like a caution tape scene. Oh, I bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. While, while all this was going on. So you know, solar is a great application. We have lots of sunlight and there's lots to take advantage of, but it doesn't address that key peak hour when we're all coming home and the sun's going down Romy, that's until your, we get storage that's your next best idea for becoming a billionaire uh electro uh, uh, storing electricity no developing a lunar panel. lunar lunar panel a lunar panel because <laughs> technically it's no, still sunlight i mean that's the right. light off that, the moon is just what's we, bouncing off the sun we just got to make it a more efficient collector somehow some way that's right lunar solar a panel. lunar solar 
My philosophy on what truck to buy is pretty simple. You buy what the locals buy. They're going to know how to work on them. The parts are going to be more readily available for repairs. And if you're having a problem, there's a good chance that someone else has had that same problem as well and can help you do it. And in Arizona, this is Sanderson Ford Country. If car buying is on your to-do this weekend, Mustangs for $29.9, Ford Fusions for $17.9, Ford Focuses for $13.9, F-250 Crew Cabs for $37.9. Guys, that's over $6,000 off MSRP. Uh, F-150s, $14.5. And you know these Ford Edges? Ford is offering 20% off Phoenix only market as a test program. And these edges, the 2.7 EcoBoost, have 335 horsepower at 5,000 RPM and still give you 26 highway miles per gallon. That's Sanderson Ford, 51st Avenue in Glendale. You're tuned in to Rosie on the House, and we're glad you are, and it's our job to make you glad that you are as well. Romy, that's quite a collection of of uh, resources and materials you've got spread at your workstation there, buddy. What you got? Well, I usually have a lot more than I end up covering in a broadcast. Time yeah, flies. That's true. But first off, Tucson wins the mayor's challenge for second uh, the mayor's water challenge for a second year in a row. They're named uh, among Five other national winners in the eighth annual Mayor's Challenge for Water Conservation. So they've always been a very proactive community. They get a little bit more rain than other lower parts of the desert, like Maricopa County, and they've their rain harvesting and their gray water systems. They've they've been ahead of the state for that for a long time and they get a little recognition for it here. Well, good for them, and they have been very innovative in the way they've done that but think about it Romy if you lived in a city that got a good supply of its water supply downstream from Phoenix like New Orleans <laughs> well yeah like New Orleans downstream from everybody I mean when you're living downstream you're you're more conscious <laughs> more conscious what could be you're in the, the final water. repurposer of that water. you are the final <laughs> repurposer that's exactly right oh man well congratulations tucson boy let's hear a round of applause for you ongoing debate on whether or not to incorporate new river desert hills area a lot of locals say keep it an unincorporated maricopa town and a lot of them say well if we do that we're going to be at risk of being annexed by phoenix or somebody else and then we're really going to be in trouble do you know what it takes to become an incorporated town boy uh, you know i really don't it's it's quite a process there's a lot of work involved you first need to get signatures from 10 percent of the registered voters in that area okay well and that's just to get on the ballot to be voted on well that'll never happen in new river <laughs> <laughs> and then once it's voted on if it passes, well, then your neighboring cities within a six-mile radius vote whether or not to pr approve your oh, decision to be annexed, which was I didn't know. So for New River, that would mean Scottsdale, Phoenix, Cave Creek, and Carefree, and Peoria would be the towns that would then have to vote whether or not to let Desert Hills New River incorporate. They bid on you. Yeah. <laughs> and then it goes to the County Board of Supervisors oh, if yeah, the other that, cities yeah. – 
approve it. So you've got a very long process to becoming incorporated. Well, I should know more of that, Romy, because I've watched Scottsdale annex and annex and annex and annex. I just, I just never really knew what was involved. Well, this is incorporating. This isn't how to annex yeah, that, something. Yeah, to, to, to get it going yeah. from the start. So I, I'm, that's my next research project for myself is, okay, now what does the city have to do to annex that land if they want it? Because we're constantly in the unincorporated town of Maricopa. Some people want Wickenburg to annex Maricopa? us. Maricopa? I'm sorry. Yeah. Un- <laughs> but Maricopa just took great offense to that. <laughs> we're incorporated. Right. Hey. The unincorporated Maricopa County town of Whitman. Oh, yes. Uh Constantly trying to keep Surprise and Buckeye from annexing us. And some of them are begging Wickenburg to so that, you know, Buckeye and Surprise couldn't do that. Wickenburg really has no interest. When you look at the geographical layout, there really is only one road in and out, and that's 60 unless you go over the Vulture Peak and there's nothing that cuts through through Whispering (laughs) Ranch. Although they do have a huge development planned out there that's – Jerry Colangelo is actually wow. um, on that development. We're, we're talking massive development. And it's south of Wickenburg. South of Wick. So from wow. that vulture mine road that yeah. would take you from Wickenburg down to 10 on the Hacienda. That's a, that's a long road. That's a longer road. And, and hundreds of thousands of homes that they have planned oh, out there. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's pretty scary when you look at it. Um, California West. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the sense of, you know, we moved out here to be in an unincorporated, smaller uh, town. But, I mean, it's just, what, what do you do? It's, it, it's not a new feeling. I mean, every person that moves out here and gets their space suddenly becomes like, in, you know, they, 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 every new home that comes up, they feel encroached on. <laughs> well, in your research to incorporate, I'd like to know what the incorporator argument what why is it beneficial for the homeowner what what would be better incorporated than not faster first responder time probably locally police and 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 fire but i would wager to bet that the biggest motivator to incorporating is to set up a town hall well and get, <laughs> run for mayor and you know what 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 for and the organizer of this New River Desert Hills Incorporation Committee, their motivation is they think they'll be able to control development to keep from builders out from making these massive communities in their backyard um, and that they wouldn't be annexed by another city and then have to pay Scottsdale or Phoenix or Peoria. But other local residents say, well, all that's going to do is create another city, and we're going to have to pay those city taxes, and they're going to go up anyway. <laughs> so interesting interesting process to home ownership here in Arizona, and uh, we're, we're here to help you make the best out of your home, no matter what community you're in, and also be educated with uh, you know, the state and how things work in our, our beloved Arizona. Here in segment number three of our open house hour, we talk about our weekly home maintenance to-do, and it's something that you can follow along with in our 2019 home maintenance calendar. You can get yours 
for free just by sending an email to info at rosieonthehouse.com and letting us know the address you would like us to mail it to. Now, just for efficiency, we do one mailing a month, and then you'll get your 2020 calendar in about uh, Q4 of this year, and you'll just continue to get that monthly home maintenance calendar until you ask to stop receiving it. Just something we do here is our effort to be part of every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And that weekly to-do is to help keep you aware and engaged with your home so that things don't pile up on you or you get hit unexpectedly with some project or some element of maintenance or some repair that you're not prepared to pay for. At this time of year, there's a lot of people looking at painting. Which is exactly our to-do because there's a... A conception that it can be too hot to paint in the summer, which is true. Now, if you know what you're doing, you can overcome a lot of the heat by starting on the south side of the exterior of your home in the morning. Early morning. And paint the north side and the shade by the time 10 o'clock comes around or two or, you know, the hotter temperatures. There's ways and strategies that you can still paint all year long. Very rarely a too cold day. We might have a too wet day here not, and there. <laughs> not below the Mogollon Rim, that's for sure. That's for sure, not too often. But one of the things I tell people, you know, I've been accused of being a shill for the paint company. A shill. Yeah. When I tell people, look, you really ought to consider repainting the outside of your house about every five to seven years. They think, I haven't painted my house in 25 years. What What is Rosie talking about? And then when they finally do paint it, they're paying the consequences for neglect and and deferred maintenance. Now, I will say this. In the last few years, I'll say in the last 10 years, the paint companies have created better and better paint, which will hold up to the sun ultraviolet rays and our extremely dry weather here in the Sun Belt better than they ever could before. And Arizona Paint Company, our certified partner that services both Maricopa, Pinal, and Pima counties, I say both all three, (laughs) with the high-quality paint, their highest quality that the manufacturer has, they're offering 10-year warranties. That's right, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, You could have never done that 10 years ago with the paint that was on the market. It was, even when you bought the best paint available, they just weren't what they are today. Now know this, the darker you paint your home, the more often you're going to need to paint it because the ultraviolet light attacks the color and actually creates it to chalk. What I tell people to do is take a rag that's opposite the color of your home. If you have a dark home, take a old white t-shirt. If you have a light-colored home, take one of those red shop towels that you can buy at O'Reilly Auto Parts and just go outside and make a ball with it and rub it on the stucco, if it's a painted stucco structure or if it's whatever painted structure it is. And if you actually get some of the color coming off onto that hand towel, then you're actually, your paint is actually broken down to the point you're going to have to do special preparations just to repaint it. It's it's chalked up, and you're going to have to power wash to get that chalk off to get ready to prime 
So the next layer of new paint will actually have something to bite to. If you don't, you're painting literally over minuscule ball bearings and there's nothing for the paint to hang on to. So that's one way you can tell, is it time to repaint my house? And the benefits of paint, you've heard us mention this before if you've heard the broadcast, paint is not a waterproof agent, but it's a shedding agent. And if you've got big stucco walls that you know don't have any kind of protection against uh, driving rain, that's a lot of water on the side of that building. The faster we can shed the water off, better we can prevent moisture from penetrating into your home through cracks. An old deteriorated chalking paint system that is not shedding anything but soaking it. Stucco's a sponge. It takes a lot of water to make stucco, and it'll (laughs) absorb a lot of water once it's hydrated. You don't (laughs) want your paint to be a raincoat. You want it to be a breathable, nice windbreaker that you put on. So that's to say we're not big fans of recommending elastomeric paint on vertical surfaces, only in the rarest of conditions, in very special circumstances. Now, we use elastomeric on flat roofs a lot, and that's just a customary good use of the product. So no elastomeric paint on your outside walls. Yeah, those forever paints. Uh, another problem with those, if at the point you may have a little settling in your home and it cracks the paint, it's not like you could touch that up. It doesn't allow moisture to evaporate, so it starts condensing moisture on the inside of your walls. And they say, you know, this is what they use on dams and lighthouses. And, well, that's great. Those are concrete structures that have water behind them that they're trying to retain. <laughs> they're, they're trying to hold water in. That's not what we're trying to do in our home. We're trying to evaporate moisture. So, so what And we, they cost a fortune. Yeah, well, and it does. It does. <laughs> the other paint we're not big fans of recommending is the ceramic-infused paint that they say cuts energy consumption. We have not found that to be the truth on any home that we've run experiments on, and that's even more than the elastomeric. It's, it's, it's crazy expensive. So what we do recommend is 100% acrylic exterior paint. And there is a new product. We do get asked about this every time painting comes up. And a big part of it is it's a cork product. It looks like you're putting drywall on the outside of your home. If you've ever seen a drywall hopper and in your paint product, it's got cork. And they tout cork as being a very high insulated product. It never goes above a certain degree or below a certain degree. So it's a great outsulation you can put on your walls your rooftops. They say it's very breathable. We just don't have any property in Arizona that's been tested long term. The structure that has it, that has had it installed the longest, is the Tucson Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, which is a concrete wall building. So we don't have a great long-term application of a residential traditionally built sticks and stucco, stucco home. So we'll We'll see, but it is a very interesting, uh, very interesting product. And they say it's a very fireproof product that will. The, the example they use is a condo in Spain where the fire never went through the firewall because it was sprayed with this cork outsulation, 
so if, if it's proven for anything, it's going to be a great product for the mountain homes. Oh, wow. Interesting. So when you say that Canadian guy, that's the guy on HGTV, Homes for Homes or whatever? No, I, I couldn't think of his name, but yes, yes. <laughs> that was close to Homes. Homes, H-O-L-M-E-S, I think. Homes on Homes. or Yeah. And it's a very different environment in Canadian. You get a lot colder weather. Um, you know, they're warmest day probably isn't <laughs> as warm as our coldest day <laughs> so when to decide to paint your home we've talked about the stucco how about the wood all the time the fascia <laughs> yeah right all the time you just paint that all the time i tell people and it takes a little bit of a trained eye to realize this but as soon as you see the wood grain raising through the paint as soon as the wood grain is taking on enough moisture that it actually expands and contracts and that is telegraphing through the layer of paint. The very next thing that's going to happen is the paint's going to start peeling and the wood's going to start getting more saturated and it's going to shrink and swell even more than it is right now, telegraphing even more wood grain through the paint and you're now, now you're replacing wood rather than just polishing it up, sanding it a little bit, repriming it and painting it. And again, you know, staining wood with a with a uh, with a, a pure penetrating That's stain. That's what I would rather do. If it, it's not painted, stain it. It's a it's a great way, but then it even takes a better trained eye to tell when is it time to hit it all the again. time. <laughs> yeah. But but really uh, people ask me with, you know, the first time people move in here from the northwest, the, the north midwest, and they put themselves out a nice, you know, wood deck in their backyard, they ask me, well, what should I do with it now? I said, tear it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be sorry you ever built it. But you need to use a penetrating oil, and then the first two years it's down, you need to hit it at least every six months. And then once it gets a good level of saturated, penetrating oil in it, you can stretch that out to about one year. But you could just never take exposed wood in this Sonoran Desert and not care for it. Paint it five to seven years, ten years. If you've got Arizona Paint Company giving you the ten-year warranty or with penetrating oil uh, at least once every 12 to 18 months. Gary's holding up a sign wanting to know about when to paint block homes. That's the same as a stucco home. If it's been painted, that's about how long the paint's going to last. Now, if you have a red brick home, never paint it because you don't have to paint. And by painting it, it only makes you have to paint it more. Uh, and if you're building a home, I, man, I'm, I'm a big believer in having a colored masonry unit and then you never have to like like a red brick lifetime is an example lifetime, lifetime done. done so if you're a premium subscriber to our digital home maintenance app homezada you can get it rosieonthehouse.com slash app it's a five dollar a month fee and what it does is it allows you to store all these details in your home you can check this one off 
of, of your to-do on inspecting. If you didn't need to paint this year, you can just set a reminder for maybe two years to go and inspect the exterior of your paint. If it is time to paint, go ahead and do it and then put this as a reminder for 2026. And each week we just continue to put another home maintenance task, whether it's a one-time or reoccurring. And every week we're just going to continue maintaining our home castle or cabin so that you know we don't get upside down in a money pit of repairs. Last segment of our open home hour here at Rosie on the House. 10 o'clock next hour are on the house topic. We dive into the remodeling world. It's remodeling month here at Rosie on the House. And we're talking about what to look for when you're hiring a general contractor. Well, you've got to stay Ro- tuned for that next Rosie hour. Rosie Soapbox. <laughs> you've got to stay tuned for this next hour. So that's uh, coming up here at, shortly at 10 o'clock. But before we get there, you know, to get a home, what do we all have to have before we get a home. Well, not all of us. You know, you may inherit it <laughs> or you may have inheritance. One way or another, you got to have a down payment. You got a down payment. <laughs> and for most of us, a mortgage lender. And there was a lot of interesting things that I pulled out of the paper this week that you kind of just, I don't know what I thought about it. Um, kind of, are we at the beginning stages of repeating history? Um, some of the things you see advertised hey. out there right now, you have to ask yourself, haven't we tried this before? Like more high debt borrows backed by Fannie and Freddie. They estimate that almost 30% of the loans in the last year were for people that the loan was 43% of their income, which oh. is kind of like the max. Oh, and they're even talking about lending up to 50% of your your monthly income for home loans. You better like that house because at that point you're enslaved to it. Slave. It owns you. You don't own it. It's miserable. Yeah. Ask anybody that's been there. <laughs> and in most cases, the article did cite an example of a retired couple that had a huge savings um, and a big down payment. And that the wife retired and the husband was still working. So for the husband's income, it was 50% of their income. But they were also retired with huge buckets of cash and savings. First-time home buyers are generally not in that situation. Oh, absolutely not. That's, that's absolutely correct. So don't, don't repeat. You know, there was a lot of people that jumped into the flipping craze and the inflation of homes going up. And a lot of people did make money. And most of them lost it all shortly afterwards mm-hmm. because they thought, well, I did this once or twice. What if I do it five or six times now? Yeah. And, you know, when the music stopped, Ooh. it wasn't that it was not real money. Home properties disappeared and that money and that equity just evaporated. It was it wasn't real money. You're making me remember it, Roman. I'm getting sick to my stomach. That's what I'm, we're trying to do so that Golly. nobody else out there considering this doesn't uh, make a, a impulse buy or an impulse decision. I'm or... old enough to have lived through uh, several nice peaks in the economy as well as several deep valleys. And there, there were, in my lifetime, there's never been anything like Oh, oh, seven, eight, nine, and 10. is this one you had ever thought of? There's companies now that will lend you money if you're a renter for your rent payment. Oh no! Seriously? Seriously? 
Oh, man. I mean, you just... In what situation? So you're borrowing money to flush it down the toilet? <laughs> right. <laughs> I know. Ay, ay, ay. Oh. But here is an interesting one. Um, Zillow has a new concept. And when I first read it, I thought they were talking about... It said Zillow sees the future in flipping homes. I thought, oh, they're going to become general contractors. No, that's great. But that's not the case. What they'll do is if you sell your home to them, they'll give you 90 days to pick a move-out date. That way, you can know for a fact how much money you have to go invest oh. in your other home, where a lot of cases it's kind of like, well, we can't shop for a home until we know how much we get from this one. Now, you won't make as much, but their fees are also less, and you at least know for sure how much money you have to invest on this other home. Now, if you don't find Cer that home in three months... <laughs> Certainty always costs money. <laughs> right. Great. Well put. <laughs> That's so, for sure. But you got to be out regardless. So if you don't find that home in three months, you've got to at least have all your stuff stored in a pod storage or you storage or whatever, and be prepared to live in a you know a, a short term rent or a long extended stay hotel suite. Or move in with your kids. Or move in with your kids. Or with mommy and daddy? <laughs> <laughs> no, that that that's uh, that trend's been overused. I say move in with your kids, for sure. Well, there's plenty of opportunity, and we're not scaring anyone off from investing in real estate. Just a observation that there are things that are being repeated that created issues in the past, and it's really easy to see a neighbor or hear a friend make that decision, make a few bucks, and then think that, oh, you know, I can go make a quick buck doing that same thing as well and getting stuck in a really bad situation. So save up your money. I don't know when it's coming, but it's coming. <laughs> and when you can buy a home for 40% of its peak value, <laughs> that's when you want to jump. I'm not smart enough to know or say it's when it's going to happen. I just can tell you, it's coming, what's, and we're we're doing the same things. What's, we're beginning to do the same things now that we've done before. What's the pessimist investor say? I I predicted twelve of the last three crashes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. You know something that was interesting that wasn't in, in any of these on that forty-three percent lending ratio. How is that number going to change when all these student loans default that they're predicting? Man, you really are making my stomach turn. <laughs> all right, well, let's go to top of the hour news, get a fresh cup of coffee, and be ready to talk about how to pick a general contractor and invest in that new project on your home, castle, or cabin. <laughs>